Welcome to New Jump City, everybody, where we recap the week in American and Japanese sequential art. I am your host, Christian, the unbiased king, Espinal. And joining me through Discord, as usual, it is the man, the myth, the legend, the tank top sage, Joshua Gangsta Time Cole. It's called Partner, but it should be called Gangsta Time. What's good, Chris? What's up, everybody listening? Hey, hey, hey. Hope y'all enjoyed your Thanksgiving and ate good. Oh, yeah. Um, we're back from a little bit of a holiday breaky-poo. Uh, Brian is sick, so he can't be here today. Um, he's been sick for the last two weeks, so um, we are we are here in his stead. It's still the, uh, the original two, and uh, we're very excited to talk about some manga today. It's been a while, and when, uh, I've missed this show a lot, so let's not waste anytime you could find me at the chris espinal on twitter and instagram joshua cole where can they find you well five seconds later because of my delay uh you can find me <laughs> at new jump city josh <laughs> oh on on x oh and, um and at jd cole underscore 37 on instagram hey um i'm private yeah. Um, so send a firm request, and if not, fuck you. Well, there you go. <laughs> you can follow Brian. Well, Brian's not here, so I have to throw a little bit of edge. Yeah, you're right. Brian's not here today, so we gotta we gotta have enough if edge. If you it. don't follow me, I won't even care. <laughs> if you don't follow me, I'll just put on my hoodie and go skulk in the darkness. <laughs> Uh, you can follow. Speaking of Brian, yeah, you can follow. I, we him. won't, but Brian will. Yeah, Brian will. But you can follow him at New Gems, uh, at uh, B.ESP on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, wish him well. <laughs> he's uh, he's going through it right now, but uh, he should be back next week, hopefully. Uh, he, oh, you can catch him when he's streaming if he's still up to stream. I guess at uh, Twitch.tv/slash It's Punchline. Uh, you can follow the show itself at New Jump City on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow the show. Uh, you can also email to New Jump City pod at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, anything you guys want us to talk about. We will answer any questions on our pre-show chat show. We didn't do it again this week, but it's only because we're missing Brian and we actually we, we continue to have kind of late starts, which is fine. I feel pretty good energy-wise, but um, yeah, it's, still, it's a little late. But next week, if Brian, especially if Brian's back, we will have a pre-show chat show, and uh, very excited to get back to that because I've been missing doing that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so send us your questions. Uh, we got. Delay. Yeah, send us your questions. We'll answer it on there. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you prefer to answer, ask questions during uh, through our comment section, you can check out uh, our YouTube channel. We still don't have a video podcast capabilities exactly quite yet we will be soon though i am I'm, I'm feeling good about uh the future probably like early next year i should be back up and running with uh, an old laptop a new laptop that's the hope at least um but yeah till then um give us a subscribe a follow a share all that stuff on youtube uh it would seriously help us out in the algorithm um i gotta upload some backlogged episodes but still 
please do that. Uh, it's super, super important. Or, you know, we're grateful for any kind of listen. If you're listening through iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, we appreciate that as well. Please do that. Um, and yeah, I think that's it's that he appreciates all that shit. All of it. Honestly, it warms my soul. All whenever, that shit. Whenever I look onto our uh, our stats and I see that people are still listening after uh, a, a good, what, 50 episodes almost without a video, without video, it's, it's, it's a nice feeling. So uh, I want to thank you guys for sticking around on the audio styles. And um, yeah, we hope to give you some good video content soon. Uh, but until then, uh, let's get the show on the road. Uh, let us get into the show. Well, before we begin, before we begin, before we begin, if anybody can guess the amount of delay between Chris and I, <laughs> I will, I will Venmo you or quick pay you or whatever the fuck it is you have twenty dollars, but only for the first person that guesses it right. That's absolutely insane. Well, you heard him here, Josh, and only Josh will pay you twenty dollars if you get our delay right. <laughs> Josh Cole. Josh Cole will zell you. <laughs> it's not that bad, actually. I feel like our delay... It's, I guess to clear it's the air... enough. I guess to clear the air... Sometimes comedy is about is. timing, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess to clear the air, it seems that... I don't know if... I feel like it explains a lot of things doing the podcast virtually, but we've apparently been having a, a delay between our, our me, him, and Brian of an unknown time for the contest. Um, so if you can kind of tell the lag, Josh will pay you $20 for some reason. <laughs> but I don't know. With that being said, I, I don't, I don't, you're right. I don't have a really good reason. It's too late. <laughs> you've already, you've already promised the people. I did, and I'll do it. You will do I'll it. I'll do it promptly, too. So, pr- free $20 if you could guess the amount of time. For grabs. <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's get into uh, the show. One Piece! Oh, yeah, One Piece is back, baby. We are on One Piece chapter 1099. God, it's about to be 1,100 chapters. Uh, pacifist. Last we left off uh, with One Piece, uh, Kuma has been raising Bonnie. Uh, she's been sick, so he's been trying to figure out a way to cure her. There doesn't seem to be a cure, uh, and she is set to die at the age of 10, uh, which is very depressing. Yes. And in the meantime, uh, that yeah. king... Huh? I just said yikes. Yeah, yikes. And in the meantime, uh, that King Bakari has returned to retake his kingdom uh, and has decided to burn half of uh, the Sorbet kingdom to gain the favor of the Celestial Dragons. And that's where we start off now. Kuma is currently trying to save everyone from the blazing inferno that is the Sorbet kingdom. Um, And we see that Bakari actually mentions... uh, Far to the east, another kingdom used this strategy successfully, which now is for sure. That is Luffy's village, actually, he's talking about. Um, so I, I want to make a slick comment about that. I just don't really have it. <laughs> it's just I don't have it. 
What what's in the vein of your? You know, like if you wish you had, you wish you had, like if you had a gun, you're like, well, I wish I could shoot you. I just don't have any bullets. Yeah. Yeah, King Bakari is not a bad. A, I want to say something game. along. I want to say something along the lines, essentially, of that. People were so thirsty to be speculative about One Piece world building lore that it was like Oda had to hold our hand through this and add that another kingdom used the strategy. Wouldn't it have been One Piece swag is to just let you connect the dots? You ain't had to do that, King Bakori. You're an asshole on many levels for that. <laughs> You're, no, he's an asshole on many levels, and this is just another added level. Yeah. Not only that, he's unoriginal. He's just biting off another kingdom. That too. Um, but yeah, King Bakari is a piece of shit. It was basically you and Brian's fault. I mean, I called it. I was right. You know? It's very but few yeah, times. Yeah, what cost, bro? But at what cost, bro? Nothing, actually. He was going to do this regardless. Now, now, now... Now Oda's a panderer. Is he a panderer? No way. I think this parallel... Yeah, and he opened the gate to the panderverse. <laughs> I don't think he did that. Did you that. watch that, by the way? I haven't seen it yet. You actually should. I think you'll really enjoy it. It was I, It was actually really, like... I thought it was funny. Yeah, no, I'm, I've heard it's good. I thought it was genuinely funny. Yeah, I heard it's good. I just haven't gotten... I've gotten I haven't watched South Park in a minute, actually. I got to reconnect. Yeah, I was nervous. I was really nervous to watch it. I didn't like what I was seeing. And I don't mean like... I, I thought they were starting to become Edge. And like reactionary Edge. And that would that would have broken my heart forever. Yeah. No, I, I trust. love neutral people. But they're better, but they're better than shitheads, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, um, Actually, I trust those guys more than true. anybody. That's not true. You know? Huh? I trust those guys more than most people. Mm. I don't trust a lot of people nowadays. But I also have very specific biases. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. I'm biased against Bakori. Oh, everybody's biased against Bakari. <laughs> um <laughs> so, you know, he's He's essentially burning innocence and stuff, and uh, the people are mounting a furious resistance, but they're not doing so great because the king is also just shooting these people um, at the same time. But that's when Kuma pulls up and solo dolos the entire kingdom, and in the incident known as the solo revolution of Sorbet Kingdom, and uh, he... Gangsta. Hmm? Oh, gangsta. <laughs> yeah. Gangsta. It's called partner, but it should be called gangster time. Yeah. If if you guys were guessing if the delay is 12 seconds, <laughs> I'm not going to say if you're right or wrong, but she sure fucking feels like it. It sure does. I'll tell you what. I'm wondering if it's because, if, if it's because we're just aware of it now. So we're just... Ex right? You know, we let it get to our heads. You should just, like, not think about it. And just go on. Um, but I'm going to continue the story. Uh, so, uh, King Bakari is dethroned and word gets to, uh, Mary Joie, to, uh, Jay Garcia in particular. 
and he hears of that of the new king in in Sorbet, and he's like, "Who is it?" And um, you know, everybody's super happy. Kuma became king of the realm, living out of his old church. Um, but Kuma ca- clarifies that actually he is technically not the actual king. He's not ruling over the people. He is serving as something of a figurehead, like, uh, f- you know, just a kind of um, just a face of the kingdom. While uh, the actual king is a guy named Bulldog, who was once king uh, in the past. So you know, in in Bulldog's day, uh, Sorbet what Sorbet Kingdom wasn't exactly prosperous, but it was still happy in a sense. You know, they weren't they weren't um, rich in money, but they were rich in spirit, as one of the elders say. Um, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually, I didn't, I guess I should wait for the after thoughts to analyze that. So I'll wait. Okay. Um, I didn't love the way that was written. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. Why not? I'm actually kind of curious. All right. So look, 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 basically what the fuck does he mean that? Oh, back then we didn't have money compared to when, when, like, do they have money now? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> or yeah. if they do, at what fucking cost? At being burnt down by somebody? I don't, I just don't. Look, I think the idea is that, you know. People aren't, pe- 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 like, just because, like, they're, oh, God. All right, go ahead. Why don't you say your thought? I think the idea is that, you know, they may not have any more or less money than they did previously, but at least the king is not a piece of shit <laughs> like immediately. You know what I mean? And, you know, Bakari oh. puts the bar pretty low, but, you know, he's like, well, the king was good. I mean, you know, we weren't, we weren't thriving or anything, but I think it's because also the Sorbet kingdom probably wasn't recognized by the world government. So they get, they don't get the same protections and they, they probably aren't part of the, like world economy in the same way because they didn't like do yeah their you know due diligence towards the world government so you know they may not have been kind of uh rich in money but you know they were at least kind of free they weren't like beholden to a very uh, to a general tyrant like bakari and they weren't um and Bulldog, for the most part, was a kind king that wasn't, like, fucking them over all the time. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm i actually rereading this panel now, and I think you could also make, you could also say that um, Tons of Poor, uh, back in Bulldog's day. So I think he's, I think he's, they're referring to right now, or the, for the short period of time, that no, Kuma Bulldog was king, king before, two generations ago. <laughs> right, a generation before. So they're reminiscing um, on the days that he was Akari. king in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning that the people were, even though they were poor, the people were happy. And I think under Bakori, the people were also poor, but unhappy. Yeah, and, and also nearly Kuma, genocided. <laughs> they're happy. Huh? And also nearly genocided. And also genocided. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> but under Kuma, you could argue that because they don't have to worry about paying fees or maybe the way he, they don't have 
a tyrant, you know, uh, I mean, they don't, they don't have some capitalists, you know, draining all of the funds from like the rest of the people like Kuma's not, you know what I'm saying? He's not living in no palace. He's not for, he's not forcing tides or, 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 or taxes on the people probably up to a crazy extent. He was a revolutionary. So yeah. Kuma's yeah. also, I think it makes a lot more sense. I, I, Kuma's I, also I not acting I, I king. He's not being the king currently. I think he's the face of the king, so the world government doesn't necessarily fuck with him right now. Yeah. But he right he now. says he says that like Bulldog's the guy who's really in charge right now. Like he's in charge. He's king again. Yeah, who functions as his king. But yeah. they, like, you know, they're just not act they're not corrupt. So yeah. on the Bulldog, they didn't have the the I don't know, whatever resources they have access to with Kuma. Is not what they had on the bulldog, and that's fine. No, but they didn't. They don't have the resources that, in theory, they should have. They should have had under Bakari because Bakari was pushing to be part of the world government. But yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah, but I'm bulldog to, currently. What I'm trying to explain for was what's the what was the the like. Do they have money now? Or at what point did they have money? Because it's a weird comparison to make if these times were poor, but we were rich in spirit because they were poor under both regimes. So it would have made more sense for it to be said as like, oh, uh, we used to be in such rich spirit, even, you know what I'm saying? Like, regardless of like our poor state, but it, whatever, it's been solved. Yeah. I think they're, they're, they're flourishing now. You know, in the short time that Kuma's been the king, and they haven't, and they've been able to have, you know, the, some type of economic success just off the strength of not of their labor not completely being, like, you know, the value of their labor not being so low or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that shit kind of matters, bro, because you can't be talking about revolutionaries and. And all of this, and then they're like, "Well, you know, we were all poor without a tyrant king, but we were all happy." And it's like that's not that's not the point of uh, of throwing a revolution and overthrowing like capitalism and shit. Yeah, like, I think not, it's just a bit an aside. We don't I all, guess. We're not all going to be poor it's so that we all have money. That that's that's literally the reason to do it so that we can all live better. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, I so think... like, but and you see that a lot in media. So I'm a little sensitive to that. Where like, you know, people in like communes or like in communist areas are depicted as like like the the kind of butt part to it is that well you'll be poor or, or live in a backwards country and it's like that's not true at all like yeah. the, literally working class people make everything work it's not ceos that make society work yeah i, I anyway, think it's, i'm getting uh, a little into the weeds more than i'd like to yeah i think it's just you know like more of an aside i think in this world that in order to like the way that the regimes work is that you if you're not part of the world government then you're like not very much you're kind of like put at a disadvantage because the world government doesn't mm -hmm. consider you like one of them and they don't protect you from pirates like they you don't you technically don't get get the same protections as other world government allied nations do yeah. So I think like in this in this context of this world, it's uh it's a little different, I guess. But yeah, for sure, different concept. Yeah. 
But in the meantime, Bonnie looks like an adult now. <laughs> and everybody is very, very confused as to why that is. Um, we see that Bonnie at this point has eaten the age age fruit, which, uh, you know, obviously allows. Well, her I thought she ate the Nami Nami fruit. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, that that is the only fruit that there's multiple versions on of and every woman eats it at some point. <laughs> yeah. And you can also swim with that fruit, too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you Unless just look like Nami forever. Yeah. But you know, uh, Nami, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Bonnie, um, basically looks like an She'll adult. She'll never get old. Yeah. She's, uh, she looks like, a an adult, but then, you know, she ate the age age fruit somehow and she, you know, is able to manipulate her age. Um, we then cut to, uh, she's, there's this little funny gag where, you know, like, Try try controlling your powers, you know, in a sense. And, you know, she's like trying to get older, like materialize herself and get older. And um, one of the Kuma, one of the people in the church is like, whoa, you turn, you did turn older. And it's actually the mother of King Bulldog. Um, mm. <laughs> who, who Bonnie and was she's actually just like, damn, you know, what's funny is like, actually, Bonnie was like disguised as her. In uh, in the reverie. Oh wow! They just look alike when they're old, but I think this is a f- that's mad fun. This is a crazy little detail that Oda decided to put in, um, which is how Bonnie was able to infiltrate um, the reverie, I believe, um, by you know transforming into this old lady and looking like her. But oh shit. Yeah, uh, at that point, uh, <laughs> Bulldog and his mom pull up to uh, to discuss uh, something with Kuma, and they are. Um, it's confirmed that Kuma is being painted in the outside world as a dictator that has uh, dethroned Bakori by uh, using uh, by burning half the village. You know, basically what Bakori was doing. But, you know, he's blaming it on Kuma and saying that that was the method he used to overthrow Bakori. So, you know, uh, Bakori, after being dethroned, ran over to the government and uh, is trying to overthrow Kuma from abroad. Um, And apparently there's intel that he's coming back and preparing Navy battleships. um, And the old people in the village are, you know, begging Kuma to not because they can't have Bakori there because he literally tried to kill them all and he'll definitely do it again if they if he makes landfall and Kuma is already like look you don't got to worry about him he won't set a single toe within the country again and he says whatever he tries to bring back I'll drive it away but once that happens I'll be seen as a criminal and I won't be able to stay here so once that happened I'll need you to be king bulldog and you know to also take care of Bonnie um, who has also actually managed to become an old lady and looks exactly like Bulldog's mom. Um, but, you know, it's all settled. Kuma goes off to take on uh, Bakori and the Navy, and he naturally sank all of the battleships that uh, Bakori brought with him, um, thus turning him into a pirate. Uh and gaining him a little bit of a bounty on his head. We don't know exactly how much he was worth in his day, actually. But 
here's the really cool thing about this chapter is that um oh yeah while bonnie is staying with uh king bulldog and his mom uh we see that kuma is traveling around the world to find a cure for bonnie and we see that he has makes he makes stops in every island that he has sent the straw hats to yes okay i noticed it all right for me the clearest one was the bridge that's when i started paying attention yeah baltigo um yep uh, it was the bridge and then um the Wadaria guy and mm-hmm. then the beetle and i then i was like wait 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 then i looked through all of them again i was like oh right mm-hmm. who was in the snow area chopper snow area was frankie that's where uh vegapunk grew up actually Oh, right. Chopper was with these, uh, like, uh, tribes people in the very first, like, the very first island he went to. That was Chopper's island. Then it was Zoro's island. And then we get a little cameo from the two guys who are now in, I think, Luffy's fleet. (laughs) Somewhere. I forget where. But they're bound. They used to be bounty hunters that ended up in Dressrosa. But both these guys are there for some reason. He, I think, I guess Kuma actually sunk them at one point, which is kind of funny. Then he went to Frankie. Then he went to Boltigo where Robin was being held. Um, I don't... Oh, yeah. He freed people in Boltigo, it seemed. Um, then he went to Ratheria, uh, to the island that Usopp was on. And um, before long, he ends up uh, running into Dragon and the Revolutionary Forces. Um, so, you know, he stops to have a drink with his boys, his fucking old friends. Yeah. Very cool. F- dragon is fully Dragon now. Um, and uh, we expl- uh, we see that Dragon explains at this point, uh, Eva and Inazuma are already in Impel Down um, in, the, in the intervening time since Kuma's been gone. Uh, Kuma is uh, and Dragon's like last time saw you you've been a king a tyrant and a pirate huh Um, mm-hmm. and Bello Betty actually asks if she could be captain of the eastern forces uh, which you know formerly belonged to Betty and you know Kuma gives his blessing because Dragon says that nobody's allowed to do it unless like they get express permission from the man himself Um, so you know Dragon uh, also name drops Sabo and Koala. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's a, it's a really nice little moment. And Kuma is like, I've seen what's been going on around the world, and I often wonder what you would have done. I want to return to the fold, but, you know, Bonnie comes first in a sense. Um, and Dragon's like, actually, I wanted, you, I wanted to talk to you about her. You're aware of the Navy scientist Dr. Vegapunk, are you? And uh, he explains that after a recent in- accident... Uh, punk hazard actually uh after a recent accident he's going to transfer to a new lab and he's going to be kept under heavy security but he's more approachable during the transition so um he goes off to um see vegapunk and he promises that if he can just cure bonnie's disease he'll reunite with the revolutionaries and dragon's like may the winds guide your fate as well my friend. And he does a cool salute. Um, he returns to Bonnie to pick her up and brings her over to uh, egg, what will become Egghead. Um, and 
there we see that Kuma meets uh, Vegapunk for the first time. Uh, so, you know, and apparently Vegapunk immediately has a cure for the Sapphire Scales that plagues Bonnie, but it will cost uh, a ton of money, uh, as much money as it takes to create a cyborg, essentially. And um, Vegapunk looks over his DNA because he's like also doing some tests on Kuma. And he's like, whoa, are you a buccaneer? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know I'm with the government, don't you? You know, like, this is a crazy thing for you to do. And uh, Kuma's like, I trust Dragon wouldn't put me in danger. Besides, what makes my blood different from other people's? And uh, Vegapunk says, like, well, there is a difference. In theory, he's like, there is a difference technically. He's like, I don't have enough of a sample size to explain, though. Um, and uh, he puts this forward that he wants to make clones of Kuma. And he's like, yeah, I've been looking for the right person to be the base for my clone soldiers. And he's uh, he he tries to strike up the deal saying that, uh, just provide me with blood samples and permission to create clone soldiers, and I'll cover the entire immense cost of Bonnie's operation. Um, and Kuma's like, well, no matter what, I'm going to take you up on it, but what are you going to do with these soldiers? And uh, Vegapunk explains that the initial premise of the of the what will be known as the pacifista soldiers were to kind of just be like, hum not human shield, but cyborg shields for... Uh, for people in cities where there's like fighting happening to be just kind of like heroes to the common man, you know, to minimize uh, collateral damage um, and uh, to be, uh, to be mighty warriors from the future. And Kuma sees this kind of like good intentions and he's like, Hmm, all right, you might be a good guy. Um, and he says, perhaps if the soldiers based on me will save other people's lives, then my own life would have meant something. Uh, and uh, Vegapunk's like, Dragon's going to be furious with the terms. And he's like, I'm grateful to you both, but, you know, I would make a deal with you to save Bonnie's life, even if you were the devil himself. Just save Bonnie. And uh, we get a little scene with the in uh, Mary Joie where uh, Jay Garcia is like, Clone soldiers are weapons, and weapons are valued to by how many they can kill. He's like, I knew that Vegapunk would let this golden opportunity slip through his fingers, but I have a plan. Um, and the chapter ends with Kuma saying that, like, I'm not a saint or, saint or anything like that. I'm just a weak-willed pacifist. And uh, Vegapunk ends the chapter by saying, I like that. I'll use the name for uh, my future soldiers, and, you know, that will eventually be called the pacifistas. Um, and with that, that's where the chapter ends. Uh, Josh, what did you think about One Piece chapter 1099? Josh? Josh. Oh, I was on mute. Derp. Yeah, that's a super derp. Okay, <laughs> but um, uh, what can I say about Kuma? I'm gonna just repeat what I already said. 
uh, on mute, which was that I wish he was the center for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> um, but aside from that, I, I think I think it's I, I thought they were gonna make a point out of how Bonnie got the like her HH fruit, but I guess you know, fair enough that she just got it randomly by happenstance. Um, I thought that that was gonna be the thing that possibly. Uh, got. I, I thought that the HH fruit was a way to get around um, the scale, you know, the ice scale, pro- the the sapphire scale problem. But um, you know, I, obviously that's not the case. I was like, oh, okay, there you go. She can just never get past ten years old. But obviously, she aged to a gram a grandma. So like, you know. I'm. I think she still had the scales on her. I can't see. Yeah, it's I think she would tell. still have it. I think it doesn't matter the age. Yeah. So there you go. Um. Let's see. I wonder what incident they were talking about. I'm not sure what 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 happened that made uh. That made uh, him have to leave because whatever happened on Punk Hazard happened years later, at least with um, with uh, Akainu. There were two accidents on and, um, um, on Punk Hazard. Well, there's the accident oh. and the thing that happened on purpose. Like the the fight with uh, Aokiji and, and uh, Akainu was not the accident. That was just like the newest thing that happened to Punk Hazard. But before that, there was oh. a huge accident with Caesar Clown uh, in the creation of like that weird poison gas that they that um they ended up making that Caesar Clown ex- ends up yeah. using on Puck's in the Punk Hazard arc. So that's what they're referring wow. to. That's crazy. Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know. I don't. I don't really have. Actually, don't have too many thoughts. Honestly, what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah. Um. I really like this chapter a lot. Um. I I thought it it does fill out a lot of information. I love the little touch of Kuma going to each island. We all knew that like Kuma was sending the straw hats to places on purpose like he 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 deliberately sent them to these particular islands but it is good to see him um travel to these places and we see him be familiar with them it's these little like details that you know makes one piece like as detailed of a story that it is um and it's such a like little it's it's little like narrative labor like this that make the world more full um, it's these little details that really like set it apart because it doesn't, t- it doesn't seem like it takes that much effort and it, it doesn't in theory, but it is just like a nice little, um, addition to everything. Uh, I love the little conversation between dragon and Kuma and it makes me sad that whatever happens to Kuma after he makes the deal with Vegapunk, it clearly stops him from becoming a revolutionary again. Um, yeah, but I can't imagine that uh, Jay Garcia is Jay Garcia is gonna be a fucking piece of shit and ruin this for Kuma. Um, I think it's 
I, I think Vegapunk's like such a interesting character in the sense that like he has the best intentions of the world a lot of the time, but a lot of the stuff he makes ends up being like twisted and turned by the government. Um, I guess in a sense, like the pacifistas themselves haven't like done much damage to people who aren't pirates. They, they do serve the purpose that they were originally intended to make. I guess I just have this view of them because they were antagonists for so long. Um, mm-hmm. But it is like crazy that Vegapunk for being a person who is so like not truly affiliated with to anything but his own pursuit of knowledge, how reckless like his inventions can be and be used for. Because ostensibly he is still working for the Navy because they seem to give him the best chance at making resources and uh, or having resources. So, you know, it's kind of like a double edged sword where he makes a lot of like cool stuff that have been used for both good and bad in terms of the overall story. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm curious um, to see how like. Vega, uh, why Kuma ends up giving up as well. I imagine Jay Garcia starts to leverage Bonnie against him at some point and says, You got to be a mindless robot or we'll, we'll kill your daughter. Yeah, right. Something like that. Yeah. He said he'd do anything, he'd even make a deal with the devil. And he's about to meet a devil. <laughs> Bro's about to meet the real devil. Yeah, your boy came out in a pentagram. <laughs> he's gonna be, he's gonna be pentagram man. And crab stick legs. Yeah, it's uh, it's not ideal. But yeah, that's it for this. Uh, this is for my thoughts. I guess. Do you have any rebuttals or anything like that? Mm, yeah, just to say, like Kuma has come a long way, huh? Mm. I mean, from when he showed up. At Thriller Bark, and um, you know, separating the 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 rest of the Straw Hats, and then the last time he really posed an actual threat was when Frankie seen him when because Fr- Frankie was the first to get back right, and he came to the she went straight to the ship to start working on it, mm-hmm. and seen um Kuma there waiting, and you know Frankie wasn't he was shocked. But like he wasn't scared, you know. I thought he's. It looked like he's about to fight him, but um, you know, he just got up out of there. He said, "All right, my job is done." Mm-hmm. It was, you know, all of that payoff that happened like over ten years ago, you know. Yeah, kind of gives me goosebumps now. to think about that. Kuma has been such a an enigma for most of the series, or like the most of the time yeah. he's been a part of it. And it only took like 10 years for us to actually know what his deal is. So, you know, right. it's one piece it, for it you. makes me wonder how much, how much did Oda already think about this? He had to have thought of a lot of it. Because Kuma appears after, yeah. Kuma, Kuma's first appearance is actually after Alabasta. So, you know, Kuma's probably always been a character that this guy's wanted to make the seven warlords have probably been characters that he's had in mind forever. And I would probably say the same for the emperors, even though 
my guess is that he they probably weren't like the emperors when he first thought of them. But yeah, it's mm. it's really cool to see. One thing I also, you know, just reminded me, I wonder what Vegapunk's relationship is to Dragon. Because they know each other fairly well. So I'd like to I'm very curious as yeah. to like how they know each other or how they interact. And Dragon recommended him, which is interesting because, you know, that's a Navy man in, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. But I and think he, he has no, and he's, you know, with the government at that point too. But I think he knows, I think like the only reason he would say that is that he knows that Vegapunk, he's with them, but he's not like, he's only with them because he can do his science best under them. Like he has the resources and all that stuff, and the and uh, the permission essentially to create stuff. And a better, he's a lot like Morgan's in that sense, where like he's not like super allied with anybody, I guess. He's just like in mm. it for his own hunger for knowledge and and experimentation and creation and stuff. So I think like that's why Dragon felt secure in sending Kuma to him because he's like he may be with the Navy, but he's not like with the Navy, you know. Ain't no snitch. Yeah, I don't think he like believes in the same things that they do. I think he's just like a self-interested party that is just aligning it because it's convenient. But and also because we see that Vegapunk. A lot of the Vegapunk weapons are pacifistic in nature, like his bullets that turn into flowers or something. Yeah. You know? I was just thinking about that, too. I forgot what it was called, though. Yeah, the, one of the uh, sword agents was using it. Which is kind of cool that Dragon, not Dragon, that Garp's unit is the one that using that's using, like, Vegapunk's more... Uh, pacifistic weapons. Yeah, they they're a good group of guys. Yeah. I guess. Um, but yeah, that's all I. I that's really all my thoughts. <laughs> Do you have anything to close out before we go? No. Alrighty. With that being said, uh, let us move onward. My Hero Academia. This is My Hero Academia Chapter 407, An Exceptional Child. Uh, there was no new My Hero Academia this week, but we are making up for not being able to talk about it last week by talking about last week's chapter this week. And um, and I feel like I made this exception especially because this chapter is pretty monumental in the grand scheme of things. Um, so this chapter starts off with, uh, in this alleyway, where this sex worker had been suffering from hardened growths on her left arm. Uh, she wasn't aware of the of her pregnancy at first for the first eight months, and her unstable lifestyle wasn't the only reason for that. She just couldn't feel the what had taken up residence inside her uterus. So, you know, there's twins in her belly, but she couldn't she didn't really know she was pregnant. And she died on uh, she gave birth to twins on the riverbank and then died 
um, right after. And for some reason, when they were born, the growths on her arm had completely vanished, and there were two babies alone in the world. Uh, later that night, <laughs> rats started to show up and eat <laughs> and start to eat their mom. And the flooding river swept the babies away. One year later, that's when the whole quirk phenomenon started happening. The glowing baby uh, became news. And shortly after, a bunch of uh, people awakened their quirks. And at that point, because of the suddenness and um, the the popular hypothesis that this is happening because of some novel disease, uh, those with metal abilities were considered to be a sub-branch of humanity with new genetic factors. And uh, the rec- the declaration was uh, reckless and premature. So people divided, uh, the b- people are social organisms. So this statement divided them and added fuel to the chaos to come. And we get a look into like this weird uh, post-quirk timeline where it was early in the discovery of quirks and there was a lot of chaos going around before hero society had fully developed. And these guys are just a massive shit show. Yeah. Huge shit show. Um, so, you know, we see, I guess a group of, uh, like government agents, I guess, rescue workers of some sort are, you know, just like, you know, standing together in the night. And they're like, seems like those meta freaks started gathering by the industrial zone. So, Oh, I guess they're there to destroy all meta people. And they were like, I get we better take them out before they can regroup and rise up. And they turn around and there's a single boy uh, doing his best jump scare. <laughs> Just standing there with gigantic alien eyes. And they were like, hmm, an exceptional child maybe? And he's like, look, I feel bad, but leave him alone. Kids are most likely to be carriers. And uh, the kid just immediately impales several people in the face with his quirk. And kills all of those uh, meta X dudes there. And uh, the narration explains that this weird bone quirk was the uh, meta ability that he had stolen from his mother. Um, I guess this kid, I guess this implied that this kid is also eating his mom. Um, Because we get a little like mini flashback of, you know, them washing up ashore and uh, this baby holding on to his little brother is uh, just like devouring his mom and saying that he viewed all within reach as his own possessions. Those who wouldn't turn to him, t- turn to look at him when he cried and screamed. Those who wouldn't provide him with anything he viewed with other distrust. So he's uh, already just like a huge asshole <laughs> because uh, nobody else helped him in life as a baby. Um so mm. all for one is a baby as a little child is wreaking havoc all over. Um, and he's beating up on folks and they, uh, and, uh, they, the younger brother throws a can at him and he's like, stop, don't hurt. And we are explained that the most of the nutrients provided by their mother was stolen by the older twin. And that's why this one, the younger twin was so small and frail. And uh, his younger brother uh, provided him nothing, but, you know, he still considered him one of his possessions and he, and not one that he would readily relinquish. So, you know, we cut over to maybe some time later. Uh, 
the younger brother is reading like comic books and stuff, you know, learning how teaching himself how to read. And uh, they both discover comic books at the same time. So, you know, and um, this kid is like, someday I want to be like him. Captain Hero. <laughs> you know. Captain Hero. Captain Hero. And uh, it's explained that the younger brother never really gave up on his brother. <laughs> on his older brother. Even though he's been a pretty big monster for his uh, his young life so far. He does remember that his brother held on to him while, you know, while they were going through their tumultuous time as newborns. So, you know, he wanted to believe that his older brother's grip had been gentle and kind. And we cut to three years later where, uh, I guess all for one is talking about how there's uh, a famous glowing baby that reached 10 million supporters. Um, and he's like, weird, right? Why then? Because just because they were officially the first one in the books two two weeks ago in India alone, 50 babies were born with meta abilities. How they managed to rally so many people to them. Isn't it bizarre? And he says, so I killed that leader and stole what was there. So, yeah, I guess all for one killed the glowing baby. And that's why he had the glowing powers. So all for one's not the glowing baby. But damn it, I was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn it. I thought we had something there. Yeah. But I guess we were at Jason. He but did he's he stole the the quirk of the baby. Yeah, he did. He we were close. We were close. We were there. We were almost there. He said so I He shouldn't even have all these quirks if he's that young. Like what the fuck? He's just stealing them willy nilly. No, I'm talking about right now. What do you mean? Since he's being aged backwards, he should be losing all the quirks he didn't get yet at his age. Mm, I know what you mean. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works. You don't? Hmm? I said I get what you mean. Okay. But I'm guessing, you know, I guess his quirks don't age backwards with him. That's really unfortunate for the heroes. Yeah. But, you know, he's like, I killed that leader and I stole what was there. That glowing baby quirk. And um, this guy and uh, the younger brother's like, what? Why? He's like, don't you? I remember what the comic book said. <laughs> one for all and all for one. Words to live by. He says that hero had to hide his identity and battle on in solitude while everyone paid tribute to the wicked demon lord out of fear. Just as you were inspired, I now want a world that exists for my sake and mine alone. I found my dream. So that's fucked up. <laughs> um, and then this chapter ends with the final page of, um, I guess this is when uh, the younger brother started escaping with the second user of All for One. Or One for All, damn it. I keep, <laughs> I'm going to mix that up every time. Um and he's, we're getting, I guess, a first-person view of this incident where he's like, hey, who are you? Get away from him. That one's mine. If you refuse to be mine, then enough of this. And it's unclear what happened exactly. I like to think that this little picture here, this panel, is uh, the younger brother passing on one for all to the second user in this moment. Um, yeah. And I guess the older brother kills the younger brother in that moment. 
right before, right as he's given, the, he's accidentally transferring the quirk to him. But that's where the chapter ends. Um, Josh, what did you think about My Hero Academia chapter 407? I think that awful one is really fucking weird. And I, I totally get why he's a villain now. His mom was dig greasy. There's no other way to put it. But, like, the merciful tides of the ocean was not enough. <laughs> yeah. The ocean failed. Poseidon himself fell at the ends of All for One. And All for One rose and said, I will be the new god. Yeah. And that's exactly what started to happen. And then, like a real, like a real god, um, he couldn't, he couldn't let anybody else shine, and his pettiness just took the, you know what I mean? Like took the driver's seat. I I did not, yeah. I really, I still wish that he was the glow baby and that. He stole that glow from his mom. And I don't know, man. I don't know. You know what? This is better, actually. This is a lot better now that I think about it. It shows how shasty he is. Yeah. Um, The thought process in his mind that, like, nah, I don't like that you're getting any attention. So I'm going to steal what makes you special. And, 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 and now that's going to be my swag. I'm going to glow. <laughs> I glow now. Whatever. Uh-huh. Asshole. Full backstory, though. Not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. I would have been fun to hate on this, but it was okay. If only Brian was here to be like, oh my god, guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then I would have. I did uh, get brief thoughts. I would have had some negative things to say. I did get in contact with Brian before the show started, uh, just to see if he was gonna do it. Oh, but he's uh sick. But I will say I I don't want to misrepresent his thoughts too much. But I think he didn't like this. Like he did mention that he wasn't a fan. But he would, uh, you know, sure he wasn't like being edge. It could be, but you know, what's more, what's more edge than? thinking this was super cool. It could have been he was just feeling edge in that moment. Anti-edge? That's the most edge edge of all time. To be against the edge. Yeah. You're basically sword fighting. Yo, I'm... Yo, bro, I was just about to say it's like when two swords clash at that that moment, <laughs> that exact moment that they hit each other. See who would have thought? That's what. Who would have thought this is test. Brian's ultimate test? His edge clashing against the edge of all for one. And he said, "No, I refuse." Yeah, I don't like it. I am the only edge. Well, I'll um, 
I I don't know. I I, I like the backstory. It was cool. I liked it too. Uh, I think there's like a fun little parallel here with um, Bakugo and and Deku, where at the very beginning of the series, I think in the first chapter even, we see that Bakugo is like beating up on people and Deku, you know, fights him off, try, like threatens to fight him off if he doesn't stop. Um, but, you know, obviously Bakugo was a lot more stronger than he was when they were kids, Deku being quirkless and all. So I thought this was like an interesting parallel being drawn between the two. Even though it's not like necessarily one to one, but I think that's like the intention was there. I I also think that like now I feel I know why All for One chose Shigaraki in particular because something similar kind of happened to him in the sense that at his most vulnerable moment, society also ignored him and and um didn't really do anything to help him so i feel like mm. he saw that kinship with shigaraki when he first saw him and decided like oh it's basically my second coming yeah, like, that's this a good is, way to put it yeah this is a kid who has gone through almost the same exact thing as i have where he was largely ignored at a young age by society for whatever reason. And if there's anybody who... Well, having a lot of hands all over your body doesn't help. No. No. Honestly, he probably did that because, like, man, I wish when I was your age, I had a bunch of hands all over my body. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that's far off. I probably it probably would have helped me out a lot if I just had hands all over my body. It was a cool design though. <laughs> was. Yeah, he he only has one hand left. Somewhere. But the hands all over body was a sick design. There was yeah. for the longest time we were like, what are those hands? Why are they placed that way? Now we know all of that. Turns out it was just an emotional emotional thing. Yeah. It was the literal hands of his family. Oh. Did you not remember I actually that? Forgot that. <laughs> yeah, those are the hands yeah, of his I family. I just remember now. Yeah, the in the exact positions that where they held him as they died. Which is, you know, pretty cool origin fodder stuff. But yeah, I thought this was like an interesting backstory. I like the little parallels they drew to other characters in different relationships. And uh, I thought it was super fun and petty that All for One went out of his way to kill the glowing baby for no reason. Just because it had like more followers. <laughs> I'm going to ratio this golden baby. And ratioed him, he did. But those are all my thoughts. Um, do you have any uh, rebuttals or anything? Nah. I didn't move on. Uh, oh, hell yeah. All right. Let's do it. Next chapter. 
Jujutsu Kaisen. This Jujutsu Kaisen chapter 243. Uh, foolish survivor laughing it up. Okay, so last we left off, uh, Kenjaku was continuously being sucked into the cursed technique of Takaba. So he decided, he, he pretty much read the situation and was like, hmm. Well, if I'm going to be drawn into this weird reality warping thing, I think I should just, like, play into it. Um, yeah, basically. Until I could find some kind of opening. And uh, the last chapter was basically him actively participating in a lot of bits that Takaba had dreamt up. Um, and this final one is a big, like, comedy stand-up comedy opportunity where they seem to be in the theater of some sort. And uh, a lot of the first few pages of this, or I would say the majority of the chapter, well, maybe half, pretty much exactly half, is Takaba and Kenjaku doing bits that feel like there's a cultural barrier as to what, or and even a language barrier as to why these puns feels like it. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that. You know, there's a lot of like, you know, Japanese humor, yeah, duo stand-up comedy type of stuff, comedy team things that are very pun based. That I couldn't possibly understand because I don't. And God bless these translators for trying their best. To be honest. I feel like at some point these translators are like, man, no one's going to understand this. <laughs> but, you know, they get to a point where uh, at the end of the day, I guess like Takaba just stops in the middle of the set and uh, Kenjaku's like, what's wrong? And he's like, I just realized this has to end. It's my dream performance. Your fans love how you look but they don't know the first thing about comedy but i like even them they're adorable so you know so i don't want this to end i don't want it to end and kenjaku was like don't cry it'll kill the mood and then he pats his chest and then the next panel is literally takaba in like funeral clothing i guess like he's dead and he's like that's enough and uh, Takaba wakes up and looks over to him and says, thank you. Says, thank you. And uh, Kenjaku's like, you you cracked me up with like a big smile on his face. And then the next page is literally Okotsu right behind him drawing his Ooh. sword. And uh, before Kenjaku could do anything, uh, Okotsu cuts his fucking head off. And he's like, whoa, how did that happen? Okotsu has immense cursed energy. Why didn't I notice and then he realized, oh, I get it. I didn't want an interruption because, you know, he had to play along with Takaba so intensely that he couldn't. Yeah. He created a scenario where there wouldn't be an interruption. And I guess Takaba looks is dead. But that's another. We'll answer that question later. So Kenjaku is now headless. And Kajaku's like, was this the plan all along? And uh, Okotsu's like, Takaba wouldn't kill anyone. And the chapter ends with Kenjaku being like, I see. I hate to leave so much undone. He just says, I see. <laughs> Damn. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, 
I, I didn't get it. <laughs> Did you get it? Good sport, I guess. Well, he's like, right. I mean, it is what it is. His head's cut off. Is that just his way of saying like, oh, touche? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. And he says, I hate to leave so much undone, but my will shall be carried on. And that's where the chapter ends. Josh, what did you think about Jujutsu Kaisen chapter 243? Yeah, this had to be the RGC. This is also my really good chapter of the week. So unified, really good chapter. Unified RGC. Unified RGC. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, go, you, carrying, go on with your carrying thoughts. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, this, this chapter, Gigi, Gigi's go is goaded. That's why his name is Gigi Akutame, because he's always <laughs> handing out good, like, Gigi's to us. Like, you, you, you think you know me, and you don't. Bro. If you would have said, oh, uh, Kenjaku is going to die by the end of this chapter, by the end of this mini arc, and talk about fire, I would have been like, no. Mm -mm. He would never allow something like that to happen. He would never allow our arc to go by without us being completely devastated. And then after the knife is in the heart, then twisting it further. But um, it was completely opposite. We went through, a, like you mentioned, a a gauntlet of 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 being lost in translation and not getting the references the puns were funny and drawings were nice but ultimately i don't know what the fuck was going on bro this moment though when he says what's wrong he says i just realized this has to end i was like no and he says i don't when he's like i don't want it to end i'm like no i don't want it to end either Come on. <laughs> Come on, Takuma. And then we see him laying in the in the in the fucking ground like on the ground. And, like and you know, I read it on my phone, so you don't see the two page, so I really thought that was it. Like that's it. Like that's enough. Like he 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 killed him. He like he he found a way to get around his ability and it's like, God damn you, Kenjaku. And god damn you, GG. But that nigga wakes up and says, Thank you. And he says, you cracked me up, which was funny because that's what Takuba said. He said he just needed, like, like he needed to make him laugh or something like that. Or I know he challenged him. He challenged him to make him laugh, to genuinely laugh, and he did. For that to directly transition to his loss. He got his head cut off in one, two, three, four, five. Five panels. Uh, yeah, five pa only five panels after uh like we thought that ended the match. You know, that's I like the efficiency from Gigi and I like that it was a Kotu that did it. I don't subscribe to the whole oh a Kotu is Kenjaku's fight. And I know that you might definitely uh Brian definitely um they're gonna be like, Oh, I told you, you know, that a Kotu's has to fight Kenjaku, but this ain't no fight. He just smoked him real quick. And he's gonna get his get back on Sukuna. Believe that. 
Yeah. Believe that. So he left. He left that area. He left that area. And, and, and Sukuna's out there right now in the wild. Well, Sukuna's probably still with fighting Itadori and, and all of them. LOL. They're in pieces right now. Yeah. If Gigi kills Akutame off the screen, Akutame um, is. Wow. That was. Well, <laughs> yes, on. I know. If Gigi kills Itadori off screen, like if we come back and we see the all in pieces and Itadori's dead, can we finally say that he's not the main character anymore? Itadori? Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I feel like uh, Jujutsu Kaisen has been like kind of um, kind of different in that regard, where they don't like. There is no particular main character. Itadori has been it for a while, but the cast has expanded, and or unless Itadori is Itadori, I would say is still the main character until he, you know, fulfills his goal or doesn't. So. I don't know. It's a complicated relationship that I think Jujutsu Kaisen has with Itadori. In a good way. It's not a bad thing. His arms look cool. His arms, his arm looks cool. I think he only has one decked out arm. Oh. They're dead. Okay. Yeah. Um, so do, do you have any Thoughts? Yeah, I Anymore? thought this was crazy. The audible gasp that I that I gasped when Okotsu appeared behind a Kenjaku. It's one of those things where like we talked about it, we knew it. We were like, Okotsu's gonna pull up here, but at the same time, it still caught me off guard when it actually happened. I was like, "Fuck, you got me!" Even though I, I we've been saying on the show for weeks <laughs> that this is. The, they're like I think Kajaku, I think uh, uh, Takaba's just distracting him until Okotsu or someone gets there, and then he gets there and we're like, "Fuck, Okotsu's here!" <laughs> so, bravo to to Gege for getting me on that one. Um, I thought the slash, like the beheading of Kenjaku, was super satisfying too, because Kenjaku didn't even get to really fight; he he just got fucking served pretty bad. I don't know what it means for Kenjaku. I don't think he's particularly done because Kenjaku says that his will will be carried on and he does have an ability to body jump. So it does scare me that maybe he takes over Takaba's body. And if that's the case, it's like, fuck, bro. That's really my only thought thought on Kenjaku passing away the the fight this has been a very unique fight in Jujutsu Kaisen and in manga in general because it is still adhering to those rules of the verse of just like Kenjaku realizes like okay so the only way to get out of this is to just like play along until I'm able to find a way out of it until I'm able to I like break his confidence or do something else that would break his ability to warp reality in this way. 
So it's it, really savvy. Yeah. I thought it was like cool that he came to that conclusion really fast. It makes sense because Kenjaku is super old. And he's just he's kinda like Sakuna in the way where like he probably understands like curse techniques in a way that a lot of people in this current era don't. So that was a cool little touch. I don't is Takaba fucking dead? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope not. And I hope Kenjaku doesn't take his body. That would be the worst. Bro, I'm like, are you fucking around? I think right he's now? gonna activate the other cursed wounds. It's like, how do you fucking he didn't die. How do you you didn't do anything to him? <laughs> how did he die? He made himself die. Yeah. Crazy. But he's not dead. Crazy. I love how he doesn't kill people any. I, I love his dumb face when he looks over. He's like, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, those are all my thoughts. I, I hope Takaba's not dead, but you know, I know Akutami and he's going to kill off Takaba in this way just to make me sad. No. Because I feel like it's okay for him to be around because. He may be invincible like Gojo, but he he's not overpowering. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, Takaba could distract somebody, but only if you allow him to. Otherwise, he can't really hurt you that bad. Yeah. Because he's, uh, A, he's not aware of how strong his curse technique is. And B, he never uses it to put you in scenarios where you'd be hurt. Unless you're like, yeah. I guess, you know, Hanazoki when he first appeared. You know, if this is the last time we do see Takaba, I will say he has one of the cooler character introductions, like in terms of a battle sequence, because I was immediately like just enthralled with the way he fought against the teeth explodey guy. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this that guy? That's hilarious. He did the most, I remember that most epic fucking dropkick on the planet that sent this dude flying. Yeah, he was pretty strong on top of that. Not something Kenjaku couldn't handle, obviously, but like, you know, thinking about it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just thought it was super clever because... Uh, one of the first things Kenjaku mentions, <laughs> Kenjaku, that might be the last time. Um, uh, it might, it might be the last. No, nah, was I saying? Um, it was, it was really clever because he says that he doesn't notice May's crows with him, and like there's, no, like there's nothing else going on right now, but they knew that fighting against Takaba would distract him in some way, shape, or form. And they were probably hoping to a certain extent where he could just get by. You know, that Otakuba would probably create... They probably planned that for him to try to create a situation where he'd be, you know, distracted with him. They didn't have to get too specific and talk about his curse technique. Probably just say, hell, go over there and, and keep him busy. You mm -hmm. know, joke around with him. And then, boom. 
but Kenjaku was real close to to outdoing this dude's curse technique. He he's a good villain. I hate him, but he's a he's a good villain. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Not Ghetto. Ghetto was 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 weird. <laughs> An extra. But Kenjaku was cute. I guess if I had to eat cursed spirits, I'd feel some kind of way too, but he said they taste like I don't even want to repeat it. Ugh. I just would have stopped. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Well, you know, I guess it's his technique he has to in order to get stronger curses for his technique, he he had to do it this way. But yeah, was that all for uh Jujutsu Kaisen for you? Yes. All right. With that being said, let's move onward. Bitches get shot. It get heavy. Um, gra. Undead Unluck. This is Undead Unluck, chapter 185. Eat up. Um, last we left off, uh, uh, Fuko had approached Engine, the unburned negator, and had decided and had uh, basically discovered that he is a guy who makes ramen. So he challenged her. He she challenged him to a shokugeki, and uh, the theme being yes. the theme yeah. being ramen. So they're going into a ramen battle now, um, which is pretty cool. So the chapter picks up with. Um, Nico and Fuko eating some ramen. And um, he's like, so what the hell's the plan? We got a fucking ramen battle in three days. He's like, you can't beat a dude who's dedicated that much of his life to ramen. And if you if you lose, all you'll have done is pick the fight with the guy. I doubt, he'd, I doubt he'd join us anyway. And uh, Fuko's like, well, you know, words would never win over someone like Mr. Engine. So... She's like, well, what's what's this thing his ramen's missing? Our current batch doesn't stand a chance against his. And uh, Fuku's like, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And, you know, they're they're practicing making ramen and stuff. Um, we see Fuku, um just remembering times where she shared a meal with Andy and the other members of uh, the union. Um, and, you know, she's like, it's my turn to give back. Let's use our ramen to reach Mr. Engine and inspire him to make it the ultimate flavor so we can all eat together. And um, the day of the showdown arrives. Shokugeki time. <laughs> um, so, you know, they basically say the rules are simple. We each make the sickest ramen we can on the spot. And the one who sells the most wins. You know, so. He's, and Engine's like, <laughs> fine by me. I'm going to give... Each bowl, everything I got. Nothing more, nothing less. So, you know. And he's... <laughs> he gives this fucking um, weird... This is a very shonen character, and I'm, I'm kind of loving it. I feel like it's like, knowingly, he created the most shonen guy in the world. And he says, you said my ramen was missing something. Well, show me what that something is through the heart of your bowl. Show me. <laughs> so... You know, the Shokugeki begins, um, you know, uh, Engine is already, like, 
you know, sizing her up. And he's like, I'm wondering, I was wondering what she'd cook up, but now I see it's in the same bomb park as mine. She's got guts. I'll give her that. So, you know, and, um, they're, uh, she's got, it's like, it's like when you play in a fighting game and they pick your character, you're like, Oh, <laughs> you use my name. You pick, Ness me? you pick Ness. <laughs> you pick my Ness. Is Ness your main? <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Nice. Um, so we see that uh, Rip is uh, cutting the vegetables, um, and she's realized, and uh, Engine realizes that even though he cut them, they're just as fresh as they were before. And Fuko explains that it negates that because of uh, Rip's unrepair, the vegetables can't close their fibers. So this allows them to serve serve up vegetables that maintain their peak freshness. And uh, Engine's like, Haha, I don't know what you're, what's going on, but do your worst. Making ramen ain't no cakewalk. So, you know, more ramen making. Um, it's pretty cool. Very reminiscent. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing some ramen stuff. Uh, and um, we get a flashback to the previous time loop where Engine is uh, talking, uh, talking to Foucault. And, uh, you know, I guess she's eaten his ramen before. And she's like, wow, this, yeah, you know, Mr. Engine, I've been a shut-in-up shut up until recently. So I wouldn't call myself a gourmet or anything, but the dish you just treated me to is very warm. You know, he's like, well, there's ginger in there. And she's like, that's not what I meant. And she, uh, Fugo explains that she lost her mother. So this warmth, if I didn't know any, any better, I'd say that my mom made this dish. And uh, Engine mm. just jumps down and does a very shonen thing. He's just like, well, then let's say I borrowed a teaspoon of your old lady's love. I suppose if I had to say that's the secret ing ingredient. Let me know if you ever want to eat it again. I'll whip it up for you. It's a nice little moment there. Yeah. And, um, you know, Fuko shouts over to Engine saying, eating ramen is great, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, it sure is. And I I agree. <laughs> Eating ramen is great. Um, and uh, she says, eating with everybody, eating with everyone is, is, a, is bliss. And that's why he became a cook. I didn't want to be the one eating, but the one making everyone happy. So he just makes a whole ton of ramen and puts it a bunch on. Uh, he makes 50 orders of bank, banka ramen. And served it to everybody all on his own. Um, and he says, sorry there, Red Cap. Speed is part of the taste. So, you know, everybody is loving this ramen. Uh, even Nico's like, damn. If they eat something this good, this damn. good first. On a scientific level. Yeah, he said. How? Whoa. He says, so I've had ramen coming out of my ears. So for the last few days, but how is this still so good? Plus, it has an overall snappier taste than three days ago. And uh, it turns out he sees that he used that time to improve his own recipe. Um, but at that point, there was smoke. Uh, Engine notices, like, smoke. And uh, he, he thinks that they set themselves on fire or something. But then uh, he realized that um, Fuko says, Mr. Engine, allow me to ask you a question. 
I know there's someone you really want to feed that ramen to. Who is it? Uh, Fuko starts to emerge from the smoke and he's like, weren't you listening? I want to make the people of the world. And he's like, no, I mean the person you really want to feed it to. And um, uh, Fuko emerges with a ramen bowl full of smoke, like a white dome. And I think it's because Gina's using her unchanged on it. <laughs> but she says, I made this ramen for you, the future you. And, um, you know, everybody starts getting served their ramen. And um, uh, Engine, I guess, pulls off the unchanged thing. And um, the steam comes off, uh, erupting from the bowl. And he's like, what, the steam from the bowl? It can't be. And the chapter ends with Fuko saying, now then, eat up. And that's where the chapter ends. Uh, Josh, what did you think about Undead Unlocked Chapter 185? Joyful chapter. Wait, can you say that again? Yeah, sorry. My, my laptop is fried right now. <laughs> no, like I said, it was it, it, one chapter. Uh, I, I'm starting to get that. Like, each character's negation has to do with, is attached to something that they also love and care about. You know, um, it's because uh, obviously with unburned, like once he gets unburned, he's not going to be able to cook anymore. And that's what he's talking about. How, like, oh, how he, how, how like, this ended up, like, how he really, it's not even about him enjoying the food, it's about him cooking for others that he really enjoys, that he really likes. And when I think about some of the other characters, like, um, uh, shit, unrepair as a doctor, right? You know, like, knowing that you can't fix people, that's what his life is all about. That was, you know, it goes against what he wants. With Shen, it was, uh, what, untruth, right? So he can't have a serious fight against someone he, he admires because then, um, you know, it, it won't be a fair fight. So, it's, you know, because they won't, they won't do the moves that they really want to. So I, I just, I, I really like the thematic... I'm I'm not sure the right term. Like, I just like how their 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 abilities are truly these double-edged swords, and not like they're not shallow about it. Like they're true, like down to the core of each character, and whatever, like you know, and and who they are, and what Fuko is doing is allowing them to like kind of take power over that and still. Um, you know, make something out of their lives, you know, despite their negator, you know, their, their, their abilities getting in the way. That's, it's just a really interesting take. It's almost like X-Men in a way where like, yeah, like they have these fantastical abilities, but it's a roadblock in their, in, in, in normal everyday life. If you don't want to be a hero and you're not adored by the people, you know, so it's, that's like one of the, that's like a similarity. Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I like the depth of this chapter. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I thought this was like a really cute little chapter as well. I love the little flashback um, between Engine and Fuko. I wish we'd gotten some of these moments during the actual loop. Because I feel like this is just kind of... Um, it, it doesn't really take away from it at all. It's just kind of revisionist, and I feel like it would have been stronger if we had actually gotten these moments during that time. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think these moments are really cool uh, to build character and stuff. And, you know, we are spending a lot of time with characters that we didn't get to in the previous Luke, loop. Uh, so, you know, mm -hmm. I, I thought that was a really cool moment in general. Um, I, I am enjoying the Shogugeki no Soma of it all. It's a little, it's more of that like genre hopping that Undead Unluck likes to do. Um, so he said, chomp on that, chomp on that. What is you talking about? 50 of them things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? Banka ramen. I don't know what banka ramen is. Things in a banka ramen. Jeez, that's his that's his ramen. I'm about to look that shit up. Yeah. Let me know if you find it. But um overall, yeah, I, I like really... Bankai. Bankai ramen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are really all my thoughts. I'm wondering what the what the uh steam erupting from the bowl is. And I think it has something to do. I feel like he's going to do something with unburn to kind of like make it less steamy or something. I have a feeling that it's going to go hand in hand. I think, I think the ingredient is love and care. Mm. I think that's what it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, but those are actually all my thoughts on undead unluck. Uh, do you have any rebuttals or anything like that? No. All right. That was undead unluck. Great chapter overall. Had a good time reading it. And um, with that being said, that has been our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As per usual, you can find me at the Chris Espinal on Twitter and Instagram, Josh at JD Cole underscore 37 on Instagram at New Jump City Josh on Twitter. Brian is at B.ESP on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can follow the show itself at New Jump City on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, email us at newjumpcitypod at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, anything you guys want us to talk about. And we will do, uh, we will answer them next week on our uh, pre show chat show that we'll hopefully be able to do with Brian back and everything. So um, hit us up on that. Uh, comment under the video you're watching. If you're watching it, subscribe, like, share, all that jazz. Um, and uh, yeah, if you prefer audio podcasts, you can check us out wherever you listen audio podcast at spotify google podcast apple podcast itunes to name a few we're pretty much on every uh audio podcast platform available so please check us out and um yeah that's it for the show everybody thank you guys so much for listening uh we will see you next week on new jump city stay safe new jump citizens peace out hold on hold on i'm holding hold on i'm holding Anka Ramen is, I don't know if it's a real thing. No. All right. <laughs> well, okay. 
See you next week.